All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> well, I have a, a fantastic guest on, someone I've been trying, dying to get on for a while, Terrence Smith. Hello, hello, what's, hello. What's going on, man? How's it going? It's going good, man. As you know, just <laughs> trying to stay busy out here in the Bay. No, you've been very busy. You're doing um, Brooklyn Bridge at the Town Hall Theater. Yes, sir. Y- you and I, we did a Civil War Christmas. Yes, sir. And uh, you've been doing a lot of other things. We'll get into, you know, uh, uh, all of the all of the shows that you've been involved in and how uh, Bay Area is uh, treating you as an actor. But you're one of those up and coming actors who's who's been really, really involved. And, um, you know, you and you're a great presence on stage. You Thank know, it's you. great. Yeah. It's been great working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, just getting into doing Civil War Christmas when we started to get on stage for our Brooklyn Bridge, there was a. Uh, a little bit of a reminder from Brooklyn Bridge because offstage, you know, because we utilized the maximum amount of the stage when we did a Civil War Christmas. Yeah. And I was looking backstage and there was, you know, painted floorboard on the ground and it was the same exact one from a Civil War Christmas. Right. Oh, wow. So there was just this twins of nostalgia, you know, being back <laughs> at Town Hall and then mm. being like seeing that little reminder of the show. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's. Yeah. And you you did one other show prior to Civil War at the Town Hall. Uh, who shot Liberty Valance, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so obviously Town Hall likes you. Yeah, obviously <laughs> they do, man. Yeah. I, I love it. That it, Actually, Town Hall Theater was my first professional theater company uh-huh. since graduating college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, proud of that. I've been doing stuff with friends and doing stuff with other theater companies. And, you know, the experience hadn't been all that great. And then yeah. I finally got into Town Hall, and it was like, wow, I have arrived. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And we'll talk more about your career and, you know, how – how Bay Area Theater Life is treating you and all that stuff. Yeah. As I begin every uh, podcast, how's your week, Norman? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that good? <laughs> it's, that's what it is. It's been coughing. Lots mm-hmm. of coughing. Mm-hmm. I got something, and it never felt real serious, but it's, you know, it thrashed my voice. So we closed um, Everyday Alice last weekend. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, yeah, those last two shows, I had about this much voice. Yeah. I, kn- I know those days, especially when you do musicals. I know Everyday Alice isn't a musical. Did you <coughs> did you sing in Everyday Alice? A little. We did a sea shanty. Oh, yeah. Singing when Which you have a... Which the audience actually loved, which is <laughs> so weird to me. Yeah. Everybody loved a shanty. Yeah. It was just, yeah, because it's just raucous. Yeah. And they just loved that energy. I was like... Y'all are having way too much fun. Well, good. As long as they're having fun. Yeah. But I know how it is when you have to sing and you have a cold. It's like, oh, my God, I got to fight through it. I got to take, you know, the halls or whatever you do to, you know, get over whatever. And you sing, too, Terrence, don't you? Uh, A little bit. I am at the point where if I do continue to do musical theater, I would need to inquire a vocal coach just so I can confidently audition for one. But, yeah, yeah. I I do do a little bit of singing here and there. No, you you did find Civil War. You have to have a good ear. I think you were doing more background vocals. But uh, there are plenty of uh, vocal coaches out there. But it depends on if you want to do that sort of stuff. Okay. Well, I was saying saying, uh, earlier that I had to sing for this audition Monday. Yeah. I got no voice. I actually went in the room coughing. Mm. I was like, okay, this sucks. And then I just went really low. Mm-hmm. And sang, and they it worked. I thought it worked really well. And yeah. I was like, okay, y'all hire me for this. Don't <laughs> don't hire me for the croak <laughs> that you're hearing. Well, you've got, you've got that Paul Robeson. Um, I can I can get there. I can <laughs> yeah. get down there. So that that was fine. Um, and then you know everything else just seems to be rolling. I started another after school gig, mm-hmm. which I'll be doing for the rest of the spring, and I'm already ready to tell the boss. Yeah, don't 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 call me again. I'm gonna I'm gonna work really hard to get other work so I don't have to do this again. Oh no, mm-hmm. 
Is it's it just the a kids bunch of or is it tiny kids? You know, oh. just these little. These kids are maybe second graders. Okay. And yeah, you used to when you do each one, reach one. You do them with teenagers. You do teens, and yeah. what I do up in Richmond yeah. is teens and preteens. The little little ones, you can't do. You cannot. Just say, let's get in a circle. Yeah. You cannot even do that. That is too complicated for these little kids. Yeah. And then I got a couple of little boys who've got an attitude. Why is it sure. always the, No, there's one little girl also has attitude. And it's so funny. They are not teaming up. Yeah. But they both recognize that we are the ones that we can stop everything. Sure. And that's what they do. And I'm like, All right. and they remember me because I did it a year, year and a half ago. I did yeah. It. And they remember Oh, yay, Norman. Like, little girl came up to me and immediately was, like, at me. And I'm like, mm, okay, funny, you should be listening, because I'm at least co-teaching this time. Mm-hmm. But you should be listening. It's – this is not a good time. You mm. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, I, yeah, I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And then um, – I've been doing I've been doing this gig at Nueva for 20 years mm-hmm. where I teach seventh grade class. And so we did what we call skills classes for a few weeks. Next week, we actually pick projects, mm-hmm. and then we start rehearsing. So I got a lot of work to do this weekend to get ready for that. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, teaching little kids. So I would take breaks from uh, going to college, and I would come back from New York to D.C., and I lived only a couple blocks away from Howard University, mm-hmm. and they had Howard University Children's Theater. And so they would have some of us alum from – I went to an arts high school, Duke Ellington School right. of the Arts, and so we would teach the kids. And I love the young kids. Mm-hmm. I actually love the seven and eight-year-olds because, mm-hmm. of course, you have to have the energy for it. Of right. course, I'm like 21, right. 19, 20, and I'm like, come on, let's get into a circle. And they just want to jump in. The teenagers were the ones I had problems with. Well, it's like, come on, let's go into a circle. Why? Why are we doing that? Right. Who are you? And I'm like, oh, for God's well, sake, I've I learned this crap. <laughs> you don't give them any option, and yeah. they do it. Yeah. Whereas with the little ones, you don't give them any option, and somebody gets confused or somebody has a question. And yeah. It just all stops. Did you the ever first have to teach time kids, I ever did it, Terrence? Uh, I have uh, six nieces and nephews, so <laughs> I already kind of know the delicate balance when it comes to dealing with children. Yeah. Like my oldest nieces and nephews are all 14, so now I'm also experiencing pre-adolescence, oh, teens, yeah. teens sure. and all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think that would be tough to teach, but you, you've you done that before. I got no problem with that. No, I was going to say the first time I did it with little ones, mm-hmm. I said, so let's get in a circle. And one kid tripped and fell, mm-hmm. you know, and they're tiny, so it wasn't like anybody got hurt. Yeah. But I said, no, I said get in a circle. I didn't say everybody fall down. Why uh, did that come out of, of my course, mouth? Of course, everyone fell down. Boom, boom, <laughs> oh, boom, man. boom. And that was yeah. when I learned, no, get in a circle means sit. Sit yeah. on your butt in a circle. <laughs> it's the only way. Yeah, no. no yeah. I'm, I'm throwing geometry at these kids. It's a little hard. The whole concept of a circle right. and a circumference. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget the radius. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, I surrender. They, they are smarter than me. Trust me. <laughs> kids have a vivid imagination, and if you let them, they'll imagine to go far, far away. Which it's hard is great. To, it's great, but, of course, when you want them to focus, mm-hmm. that's the tough thing. Yeah, focus, yeah. Um, this has been – now you posted on Facebook that you had an ex-student who passed away. Yes, um, the young man, uh, Vincent, who mm-hmm. got killed near USC mm-hmm. last week, um, was a, an alumni from the East Bay Center of the Performing Arts up in Richmond. Yeah. And it's – I love the program. Um, we try to give them a breadth of experience. So it isn't about – you know, the kids that do go on in whatever field, particularly music, mm-hmm. um, do it because they've made a commitment and they've been working hard. Yeah. But for those other kids, it's just, you know, it's 
somewhere between after school program and actual learning a craft. So in one of them, and I see a lot of the alumni, of course, stay in the area, and you see them as young adults come back, and it doesn't matter if they're not doing any of that anymore. We know that we kind of help track them. Mm-hmm. But when you got one, he's in his <coughs> senior year at USC yeah, in music, which yeah. is what he wanted to do, which is what he'd been doing, which he was thriving in, yeah. Yeah. and to know that that's the trajectory. So when I finished my class Thursday night, I said, I took the last five minutes, and I said, I just want to mention... I know most of you didn't know Vincent, but a couple of them did. Yeah. Um, because he was. He was a drummer. So um, when they would do certain performances and presentations for the community, he would be called on a lot. Mm-hmm. So kids who were involved in any of that or even saw any of that knew him. And I said, so I just need you to know that the work that we do is for you so that someday you <coughs> can take your life in that direction. So, of course, we're sad. And, you know, we want to remember him fondly, but want you to also know that the possibilities are there. We are working hard to give you these possibilities. Exactly. That's what it's all about, whether it be theater, you know, whatever it is. And that's when I hear about – I haven't taught kids in a while, but when I hear about programs and theater programs mm-hmm. that focus – and Town Hall does a good job at that as well. Getting kids out of the streets. Oh, that community, yes. Exactly. Into something that they can focus on. That's mm-hmm. a very important thing. Yeah, it's very sad that, and also, uh, and we will talk about it a little bit later on. But Jeff Thompson, who was the ex Eastenders, the three because mm. um, Jeff, yeah. um, and then uh, Robert Alexander's daughter. I just got a text oh, message no. like a day or so ago. He's a playwright. In fact, he's we'll get a shout out for a reading of his coming up. Sure, but I got a text. I'm like, my 23 year old daughter passed away. Oh no! What? Oh no! What happened? In her sleep is all oh. it said, and then I read the obit, and of course the obituaries don't like dwell on sure, that. It's sure. who survived and what are they worth? You know, what are yeah. the things that we want yeah. to remember them for? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's. Yeah, it, it just feels it's, it's that death is just yeah. hanging out in March. Every now and then, <laughs> uh, there'll be moments where people within my life will like pass away, or even in or just close by, yeah. peripheral, yeah. and it's like it's a creepy feeling. It is, yeah. yeah. And it just makes you, you know, um, thankful of, you know, what we have in the theater community. And we can actually transition this into current events. That is current events, yes. Uh, with what's happening in New Zealand, yet another Ooh. shooting, not here in the United States, right. but now in New Zealand. But the shooter gets a call out to Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. And he mentioned Candace Owens. It's amazing Good. how you don't think that. Good. You don't, that woman. You don't. You would think that words, because that's what a lot of these right wing folks say. It's like, well, right. I'm just saying words. You know, right. don't don't pay attention. Right. But all, your words have action because mm-hmm. people take up to it. I've never seen so many members of the far right just rise up and feel emboldened. Right. To do these hateful things, Chance. What do you think about what's happening in in the age of Trump? I mean, ask everyone this. I mean, it's it, it is extremely unfortunate because words do have consequences and especially what's with happening in our current political climate especially with this huge divide that's happening between both the right and the left and it's this mm-hmm. instance where where people have so many issues with regards to their beliefs mm-hmm. people of color the mm-hmm. issues that happen the issues that are happening with the border and right. it just comes to a point where it's just like wow has everyone forgotten that we're all just human beings trying to live mm. day to day to day? Yeah. We put so much emphasis on race. We put so much emphasis on religion. We on try to put so much emphasis yeah. on the things that make us different, and it just detracts from what makes us all 
unique and what makes us all the same. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that it's not being, not enough is being said about this aspect of it mm-hmm. because it's so easy to point out what makes us different and it blinds us to really what makes us the same. Right. As brothers and sisters, you know, living on the same planet. And it's that kind of rhetoric, especially when you are afraid, when you are trying mm-hmm. to figure out what to do with that fear and where to place that fear. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, throughout history, fear turns into anger, which turns into rage, which turns into violence. Right. Yeah. And right. seeing this, especially in a society where, you know, we've come so far from division but it's creeping up again. Right. And yeah. it's one of those things where, you know, we always have to <coughs> remind ourselves that though we've made milestones, it hasn't truly ended. Right. It's just gotten quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we have somebody like Donald Trump that preaches a rhetoric that brings that silent minority back up, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's no more important now more than ever to be able to <coughs> recognize that, call it out, not to settle in instances where we deem ourselves, you know, no, especially in the Obama era, era when you know we seem like we're <coughs> coming to terms, we're agreeing with one another, yeah, yeah. we're mm-hmm. more at peace with one another, mm-hmm. and it's also—it's just now more than ever important to, to remain diligent. Yeah, you know, you mentioned a good thing, Terrence, as far as the fear. You know, we talked about how Republicans feel, how the right feel, and right. although we can bash the right, we understand why people are upset. We understand that jobs are being lost. Mm-hmm. Some people feel obsolete. Mm-hmm, right. We understand why. I understand why. I have some friends. I talked last week how I have a uh, black friend of mine who's a Republican. Oh, right, yes. I don't agree with him at all, but I understand why it happens. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some other Republicans do too, and they politicize that fear and that anger, and yeah. they weaponize it. And they're like, yeah. well, that's why you need to vote for me. It's the politics of fear. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because it just tears us apart. Not just yes. vote for me, but. If them other people get in, you should get in the That's streets. That's right. You should go and stop this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put this little bullseye up in the corner of a picture of the judge yeah. who is presiding over me. It's a horrible thing to uplift yourself by stepping on someone else, and that's yeah. what the politics is all about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that's what's going on. Um, we got to talk about this college tuition thing. <laughs> this, you know, this scandal. It's it's so it's funny. So I have I have an e-bike. <clears throat> and I took my e-bike, and of course, you never know what you're going to have, what conversation you're going to have with folks. Right. So I'm like, hey man, you know, my my uh, throttle's messed up, and he's like, okay, so what's going to happen with you? And I mentioned the the scandal, right. and he just went on a tirade. He's like, he stopped everything. Hey man, I got to tell you what's going on. And this is a I thought a conservative white guy, right? Who's just you know he's just working in an auto. He's an auto mechanic, uh-huh. but he also works on e-bikes and. Oh. You know, he's trying to get as much business as possible, and he's like, "Look, man, I took, I worked through school, I had right. to do two jobs right. to get in, right. and all of a sudden, these rich MFs, and they're paying folks to get in." So the funny thing is, so Lori Lachlan and other folks paid a half million dollars to get their kids into school, and it looks right. like their money's lost. Right <laughs> now, right. they're gonna have to pay another fortune just to get out of jail. Right, I find that funny. <laughs> I find that hilarious. But it's just it's, it's worth it's worth finding some humor in it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm sure that some people are going to get scapegoated and everybody's going to duck and cover. Yeah. And we're going to pretend like this isn't the system. Yeah. And, you know, and another funny thing. So her daughter, who is I thought I had oh, the one who had the Olivia Jade. Media. Yeah. Olivia Jade. I was reading her. She doesn't even want to be, go to school. No, She said, I don't care about school. <laughs> yeah. And so it's I like don't really care. I want to go to the parties. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm too busy. I got to go over here and do this, and I got to do that, and yeah. I've got to talk to my deans and see if we can work it out. <laughs> I mean, what it's just work it out. You going to take it out in trade? What? What? Right, exactly. So it's just. Uh, so are are you ups- Are you outraged by it, or are you, you don't even give a damn, <laughs> Terrence? I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, again, this is just rich people who obviously <clears throat> can afford their children to go to college right. but at the same time it's just uh, you know especially <laughs> hearing about her not even wanting to go to college you know especially as parents and as teachers yeah. and educators we put so much emphasis on the importance of going to college yeah. which is you know it holds a lot of merit it holds a lot of truth but mm-hmm. at the same time you know like we also need to be able to preach to children especially at a young age what they want to do with li- in life and mm-hmm. nurturing that and you know it was kind of like what my father did with me as far as the arts is concerned mm-hmm. you know because when you hear your child wants to be an actor you right. know there are a lot of warning flags going up like, how are you going to make a living doing right, of that we all had to go through that. oh yeah and you know my father was just like he stayed on top of that all throughout my life it was a check-in you still want to be an actor what do you want to do when you grow up i want to be an actor i want to be an actor and that answer hadn't changed mm-hmm. so by the time i graduated high school he found an acting program for me where it's like oh you still want to be an actor well look into this school they have an acting program and mm-hmm. then it just skyrocketed from there yeah. and you know it's really important to nurture the interests of our children yeah. and especially also preach you know knowledge is important yeah. you receive a lot of information about the world about the way things work Mm-hmm. In school and in college, and that's a well. proper way for a parent to nurture a child. I mean, you may mm-hmm. have influence and in, in whatever prestige and connections, but focus on your child to have them uplift themselves. You going through that with Dexter? No, I wish we were. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he want to go to college? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Not want to go. He assumes he's going to go. Yeah. Mm. So he had an application that needed to be in this week. Mm. Mara been bugging him about that for at least a couple of weeks. What's up with the application? What's up? I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna get it done. Then he got sick. Oh, I can't do anything. He manages to get up and g- play games, but he can't get the application. <laughs> yeah, um, he's not taking care of anything else. Can I have a ride to school? It's every little thing. And then finally, he gets the application done. Can you proofread it? Well, it needs to be in today. So oh, wow. that was yesterday. So <coughs> if you want me to proofread it, you gotta l- upload it so I can read it because. And that took, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and as frustrating yeah. as it is, I'm like, was I any different? Probably not. Yeah, uh, I, I imagine that they had to do a little bit of hand-holding. Luckily, the folks at Duke Ellington, they were like, hey, listen, you're going to, we're going to nurture you a couple, you know, we're going to help you mm-hmm. get, you know, do your, do your, you know, apply for scholarships. And mm-hmm. luckily, they had a program where they would videotape us and send our tapes out to various acting schools, mm-hmm. colleges. But a lot of it we had to do ourselves. Like, listen, if you want this work, you right. work to get it. Well, in Richmond, they have at the East Bay Center, we have um, a program they call College Prep. Mm-hmm. And it really is whatever the kids need. If you're a senior, or I guess junior, actually, you know, junior, senior, if you're in that zone, mm-hmm. um, it's you getting some hours at the center. You're getting credited with that. We have a diploma program. You're getting credited for that. Um if you are really staying on top of it, yeah, mm-hmm. you're getting some s- assistance, but you got to do the work. Yeah. If you're not, or you're not really seeming interested, well, you get some pizza and somebody's checking in with you about what you're going to do next and making sure that you're at least going to clear that, clear that hurdle out of high school. Sure. Yeah. So I love the program because there isn't this sense of we're pushing. It's really important that you do that. It's more like, hey, there's an opportunity for you mm-hmm. if you're ready for it. Yeah. 
And then we're going to keep reminding you of that until something happens. time for you to go. Right, right, exactly. And the last bit of current events, um, we haven't really talked about leaving Neverland, you know, the whole Michael Jackson thing. That's not really oh. news. The only news news is um, apparently LaToya oh, Jackson. There was a, there was oh, a, did LaToya <clears throat> say something? Well, there's an article about LaToya Jackson and how, oh, maybe LaToya Jackson was right all this time because apparently in 1991, she was the, one of the first ones to say, listen, you got to look at Michael Jackson and his messing around with kids. Oh. And how she was poo-pooed. And mm-hmm. I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, that, that I do remember that. She was hitting all these, you know, daytime oh. talk shows and, uh-huh. and whatever and – and then people just pushed her away. Cause right. Like, listen, you know, you're just you're jealous because you're not as famous as Janet and Michael or whatever. Right. And now it's all coming back or what have you. So, yeah, you've got Leaving Neverland. You've got um, uh, R. Kelly. There's yet another tape, and he's going. There's another right. charge on and him. Another charge. Yeah. So, it's crazy. Hey, we got them yeah. benefactors. Wouldn't it great? You got a benefactor that throws down a hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Isn't it amazing? You you've got of- women still bailing him out of jail. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. It must be good. It yeah. must be real good. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bump and grind, right? <laughs> and with that, Terrence Smith, uh, let's get into an origin story. So were you born and raised here? Uh, yeah, uh, born and raised in Oakland. Oh. Uh, I was there till I was about six, and then my family moved to Hayward. Mm-hmm. Been there ever since. And, you know, as far as the whole acting thing kind of falls into line, uh, oddly enough, my inspiration for wanting to be an actor was Chris Tucker. I was oh, a big yeah. Chris Tucker fanatic growing up. You know, Money Talks, Rush Hour, right. Friday. Yeah. I remember yeah. the Fifth Element. I think the Fifth, fifth element, element was the first, time, first mm. time I saw him. Yeah, and it's crazy. That, and that was probably, quoting a Chris Tucker line was one of the only instances my parents ever allowed me to curse when oh, I right. was young, <laughs> just because I did it so well. Yeah. And, mm. you know, when I, and again, that's what brought to my father. It was like, I want to do what he's doing. I want to be an actor. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, Chris Tucker is a comedian. Are you sure you just don't want to be a comedian? Like, no. I don't want to be a comedian. I want to be an actor. I want to do what he's doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was just that long correlation. And quite frankly, at that age, I didn't know how to articulate why. Right. But as I grew older, and of course, when I started going to college and I started pursuing acting and studying it, it was not necessarily that I loved his comedy, more so I loved that he was just living himself on, right. on the screen. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to live mm-hmm. my fullest life, and I want to be able to share these stories, and I want to be able to create this sense of empathy in situations mm-hmm. that I might not have experienced growing up or situations where I wasn't accustomed to growing up, but it allows me the opportunity to learn and to sympathize with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you mentioned Chris Tucker because I don't see you as the Chris Tucker type. He sounds like outlandish or whatever. And you seem more reserved, I, almost like a uh, like a young Denzel Washington when he did, what was it, Glory? Um, oh, Glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so that was, do you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, You're just channeling Civil War Christmas, that's all. <laughs> that's oh. all. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you saw him in a uniform and you were like, oh, <laughs> Lord, Glory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I have four <laughs> older brothers. I'm the youngest of five. Wow. Yeah. That must have been interesting. What do your brothers do? Uh, my oldest brother, Aaron Smith, he is currently working at uh, Casa Permanente in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my brother, after that, is working for the county of Alameda, a social worker. Oh. Uh, my other brother is working uh, at, I, bl- I want to say it's uh, Honda in downtown Hayward, oh. uh, mm-hmm. Cars. And my sibling that's closest to age in me, Alonzo Smith, he's actually currently in Washington, D.C. right now at Howard University. Wow. Getting his, uh, deg- a degree in dentistry. 
Wow, that's oh. fantastic. Good old Howard. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you were able to point to them and say, well, I could be an actor. Look, everybody else is taking. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, ev- all of my siblings are in some way artistically c- inclined. Oh. Like, my oldest brother, yeah. like, he was really good at drawing. And mm-hmm. then, of course, my two other brothers after that were just, like, the athletes of the family. Uh-huh. Pro basketball, you, you know, you saw them. You thought, wow, those kids are going to go to the NBA. Right. And then my brother that's currently in Howard, you know, dentistry, like, he grew up with braces. So I'm pretty sure that whole experience mm-hmm. just probably originated. Like, ah, oh, I guess I'm going to the dentist a lot. I'm going to be a dentist. Yeah. And that was kind of his childhood dream. <coughs> you know, as he started going into middle school, high school, and in college, he began to do a lot of dancing. Yeah. Huh? You know, fusion dancing, mm-hmm. improv dancing. Uh, he actually in college did a rendition of Sophisticated Lady nice. at Cal State East Bay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was like one of those other things where it's just like, you know, this is artistic bone ingrained within each of us. Yeah. I, you know, I was just fortunate enough to be able to constantly articulate that and then be able to pursue it. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, were your parents involved in art at all? Uh, again, my, my father, you know, he, uh, he works for San Mateo Transit, has done so for many, for many years. But prior to that, you know, he actually went to college for architectural design. So mm. there is a, a whole portfolio or you know, actually oh. like a cardboard thing that uh-huh. just has a whole bunch of blueprints. He actually did the design for a, a, a church that uh, my grandparents used to go to back in Oakland. Oh. And my mother, you know, she uh, for many years worked for Casa Permanente. And like she growing up in the church was an avid singer. Uh-huh. So any sort of a church event, social event, mm. she was, you know, always singing mm-hmm. so you know there's it's it's so funny how you know how the course of lives have always continually changed but sure. you know there's just that that one element of passion within the arts that i feel <coughs> is probably a, a good foundation for me yeah. to, be able to pursue my stuff yeah mm-hmm. and i'm so glad that uh, your parents um you know supported you because as you were saying beforehand you know when a parent hears a child is like look i want to do acting i had to go through it you know i told my oh, dad yeah. And my dad did not want me to go to mm-hmm. acting. He was like, hey, you know, I'm a singer. Why, why can't you be a singer, too? I was like, well, I can do both, and I sort of like acting. You know, like but gay conversion therapy is like, can we can we get them out of this? Can we get this out of you? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a choice. <laughs> this, this is just a, that's a lifestyle. You don't have to do that. <laughs> right, exactly. But it sounds like your parents supported you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it's just one of my many, many blessings, especially, you know, being out in the world myself trying to pursue it and maintain a job that allows me to continue to pursue it mm-hmm. to, sure. to the best of my ability. And, you know, I'm pretty sure there were some warnings. I mean, even growing up, uh, my dad also turned me to uh, this uh, summer camp out in East Palo Alto, uh, media center, public broadcast mm-hmm. television. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just going in, I was amongst other kids of different age groups that, didn't necessarily have the same seriousness about it as I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then bringing sure. that experience and telling my dad about it, it's like, yeah, I'm not sure I like this. And it's like, well, it's, uh, you know, not necessarily understanding that, you know, my experience there didn't really encompass what I wanted to do with my work and my own craft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a whole conversation about that. and was like, was this seriously something you were, you were interested in? And it's like, well, I was, I, I learned some great stuff from it. There were some okay people that I worked with there. Mm-hmm. It's just the experience and how they tried to bundle it, and of course, right. just the the variance the variances of you know who was committed and who wasn't really mm-hmm. just kind of shook the experience. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I, I remember going to you know whether it be school or a camp or something like that. You had some kids who were really into it. Some kids who were like, eh, forget about it. And mm-hmm. the poor teachers who tried to encompass everyone into yeah. a particular thing. Now, you went to school for theater, right? Yeah. Uh, where, where'd you go? Uh, the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Right mm-hmm. on. What was Did that Did you do theater before that, though? Actually, the the closest thing to me being on stage mm-hmm. was uh, 
choir, and that was my senior okay. year of okay. high school. Mm. So oh. that was my first kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So no high school people. theater. No, I, unfortunately, our school didn't have a like, – we had a drama <laughs> club, but we didn't have, like – we didn't put on productions. We didn't put oh. on performances. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my senior year, and I didn't even realize that they had – were about to put on a show. They did, uh, I believe it was the High Schooler's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, that, mm-hmm. and I was in the yearbook club, so I was asked, you know, could you go there? Could you take some photographs? Could you video mm-hmm. it? And I'm like, huh, what, what am I doing? It's like, they're doing a play. They're doing a play. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. that's an audition notice <laughs> I missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. man, that must have hurt. That must have hurt. Yeah. Uh, what type of training? Um, I, I'm always interested in the techniques and training that, that <clears throat> people learn in school. What type of training did you learn, and are you applying that right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first started it, you know, it was uh, – and, again, like when I, my whole thing of being an actor, like it was initially wanting to be a film actor. So I go to the Academy of Art, and, you know, of course, it's it's a for-profit school, so unfortunately you don't have to audition to get in. Right. And because of that, you get various amounts of people who say they want to do it, but they mm-hmm. don't put in the work, they don't right. rehearse, they don't unfortunately even read the script or the play mm-hmm. of the thing you're mm-hmm. doing in class. Mm-hmm. So you're just in a mixed bag of just varying commitment. And as you promote through the program, you're supposed you know, it does kind of shed – the individual who didn't take it seriously, you start kind of finding your core group of other actors and, you know, your 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 posse or your, your clique, basically. And, you know, from that point where it was just like you're starting in the theater, you were given monologues, you were given scenes to do from plays and whatnot. And then after that, which was like a good maybe year and a half, you started getting into technique. So prior to that, I'd say the technique that really I encouraged uh, uh, incorporating a lot of what I do is the Sanford Meisner technique. Mm-hmm. And it went from Sanford Meisner to start studying Stanislavski and a little bit right of on. Adler uh, and just like movement, uh, Kirsten Linklater, the Alexander mm-hmm. technique. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it just escalated from there. So I'm getting, you know, various splices from all sorts of different methods and technique, which was, uh, which I feel was extremely beneficial. But as far as uh, my core process, a lot of it does, uh, originate from the, Stan- the Sanford Meisner technique and a little bit of Stella Adler as well. And, you know, like I had the grace of being taught those particular techniques by teachers who I deeply consider my mentors. Mm. Because Like who? Uh, Jim Jarrett, who helped me with the Sanford Meisner technique, mm-hmm. and Andrew Herto, who yeah, was teaching were more, yeah. you know, more of St- uh, Stella Adler. Mm-hmm. So, like, those were the probably the two individuals that I, that I like whenever I do when I read a script or whenever I start breaking it down mm-hmm. it's their teachings that I definitely hold to core of a lot of the work that I do mm-hmm. yeah I had a quick question actually for both of you because <clears throat> I was thinking about when I I guess got involved in theater what was my gateway play mm-hmm. that really sort of enlightened me either what I've seen mm-hmm. or what I read oh. and I think I told you I it was so I I was in junior high school, and they were going to transfer me to some regular high school, which was really in a violent part of the city. And I got on a bus, and I saw the ad for, um, hey, you can audition for Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Mm -hmm. And it really changed my life. But I had to go Mm -hmm. to a library and read for the first time a legitimate play because the only thing that I did prior prior to that were like church stuff. You know, church lady would say, hey, here's a script that I read, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know why I even grabbed it, but it was Lorraine Hansberry's Raisin in the Sun, Mm -hmm. the Walter Lee Younger monologue. And that's Mm -hmm. that's sort of my gateway into, okay, this Mm -hmm. is what a real play is. Mm -hmm. 
what was it for the two of you? This is something I haven't even asked you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, for me, like, again, just going back into high school before plays even became a thing, uh, my English teacher, uh, Mark Ali, one of the plays that he introduced me to for the first time was uh, August Wilson's Fences. And that was uh-huh. kind of the first time I, you know, well, not necessarily the first time, but the first time it was brought to my attention in a public school setting where, you know, I'm reading a story about a family that looks just like me. Right. Yeah. So just like, so that was just really exciting to me. And even then, like since uh, nowadays uh, what I tend to get booked for a lot of Shakespeare shows, you know, I was also introduced to Shakespeare for the first time. And it's one of those things where I've heard about it in mm-hmm. my previous right. sessions, but didn't really pay much <laughs> mind to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he provided an atmosphere where, you know, it was like being able to read it out loud and being able to present it. So that was kind of my first dive into like a being to reading a full length play and it wasn't mm-hmm. just like it was something that I was assigned to do and mm-hmm. I was forced to do it I actually had a lot of <coughs> interest in doing it wow cool how about you Norman um, I I remember doing summer camps and not really paying much attention just we were there because mama said we had to be there and we did a bunch of different things uh, in middle school uh, we didn't have a theater department but there was an English teacher who wanted to do a Christmas play so I still have that script uh, first and I don't even remember the name of it, but the first um, that was the first play that I did. And around that same time, yeah, it had to be the same year, um, my, Eng- my English teacher um, started to teach us. He wanted to teach us all kinds of things. So Man of La Mancha was big at the ah, time. Yeah. And he got a recording of the whole play mm-hmm. and played it in class, and he had it on cassette tapes. So you could check out this cassette tape for the night if you wanted to study it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was checking that out every time I could. And I actually took it at the end of the summer. I purposely checked it out. I mean, at the beginning of the summer. Mm-hmm. I checked it out knowing that he probably wasn't going to pay attention. And I kept it. And I kept it for the whole summer. Mm-hmm. And then when fall came, I just—I <laughs> guess I felt guilty enough. I also had it memorized. And I took it back and gave it back. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was really where I started with Now it. I got the impossible dream playing in my mind. <laughs> I just got the uh, the sheet music to it because I decided that would be the next thing I'd work on. Yeah. Oh, I have it. Hopefully you didn't pay for it because I could have. No, okay. no, I got it from the library. Very mm-hmm. cool. So what was your first um, theater, first time being on stage, coming oh, out of school? Uh, my first time oh, coming out of school. Wow. Because uh, this was at the time, I want to say, like back in – late 2013 early 2014 i was auditioning to all these theater companies i had auditioned at the north side theater company in san jose mm-hmm. uh the Claire's theater company in castro valley and i was coming to callbacks and you know, all things of that nature but finding myself the only person of color in the callback room and you know these were things for like proof and streetcar named desire and i'm like yeah, I'm probably not going to be getting this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the first time, going back to your question, the first time I was yeah. actually doing a show on stage was at the Black Repertory Theater in uh, oh. in Berkeley. What'd you do? Uh, I I was with them for a, for a full year. I did uh, uh, the Loners. Uh, we did Mulatto. Uh, James Baldwin's Amen Corner, mm. and uh, after my experiences there, I. Felt like I was ready to promote to more, so mm-hmm. then I I left, and, and there's a whole story about it. But you know, I you know I the, some of the people I've worked with with were very wonderful. It's just there were some other aspects of it's professionalism. A different, it's definitely in I, its own lane. Yeah, they they are in their own lane. Yeah, yeah, you've had some experience with the black repertory. Uh, enough to make me stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But um, but the town hall is training. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but a training yeah. ground is a training ground. So yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly, exactly right. how I treated it. That's exactly how I treated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, at the very least, I've experienced enough in there where if it ever occurred in another theater company, I feel confident enough to say, "Don't worry, guys, I got this." Right. <laughs> and be able to push forward. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, not not much that much further after doing that, I started uh, auditioning again. And one play that caught my eye because I was on the Theater Bay Area website was a uh, open casting call for the man who shot Liberty Valance, mm-hmm. and there was a, a role for an African American character. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm thinking, "Wow, this is going to be amazing!" Because I read the script, uh-huh. I sent in my information, and then uh, Dennis Markham, who was directing it, had called me in and allowed me to audition and read some sides. So I do my preparation. I come in, show up. I do a monologue, and then I do my read, mm-hmm. feeling really good about it, and then uh, I leave, and then I get called back, so I go in again, and then I actually get to read with some more of the other actors. So, feeling really good about it, leave, and uh, over a course of time, you know, I'm like, because it's one of those things where you just, you're waiting, it's like, oh man, I, I you know, I should have been auditioning for other things as well, but I was so hooked on this one show, I was like, man, I would really, really love to do this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, when they finally do call me back, I not offered that part originally, but for an ensemble part. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? That other actor that got that part must have been phenomenal. Like, uh-huh. But I'm coming really hard on myself. And then I'm like, you know what? Treat this as an experience. We are offered a part. Just go in there, mm-hmm. learn the roles, learn the people, network plant some seeds and you know just bring your best self and hopefully that will turn into something later down the line right come the very first day of table reads i get a phone call from dennis markham and i'm i'm it was like i just came back from work i mm-hmm. went to take a nap and i let it go to voicemail because i was just out of it right. and then i wake up and i'm getting the email i'm, I'm reading listening to the voice message and i was like say hey um is there a uh, can i talk to you real quick there's something i want to discuss with you so in my mind, I'm thinking, huh, I wonder what this is. So I call him back, and then I'm being offered the initial part that I had auditioned for, Jim, uh-huh. uh, Jim, uh, uh, Jim Mosden. And after hearing that, I'm just trying so hard to contain myself because I really just wanted to scream at the top of my right. lungs. Mm. And Yeah, exactly. So next thing I know, I'm being offered that part, and I'm going to the Turf Table Read and meeting all the wonderful actors. Mm-hmm. And the experience just turned out to be wonderful, and, you know, I – had the blessings of experiencing what it was like to have a stage manager for the first time. Because uh-huh. I'm doing things and I'm trying to help, you know, things that I would normally do at the Black Rep. Right. And then, you know, here comes the Black the stage Rep didn't have a stage manager? For a lot of the productions, hmm. we didn't they, have they, a stage I, I don't want to dump on them. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, we did not have a stage manager okay. for a lot of that. Yeah. So, like, actually coming in to a theater company that had a stage manager, I'm like, oh, this is not, like, is there anything I can do? Like, no, you don't have to worry about it. Like, even when it came time to, like, set some things up, I just right. found myself setting things up. And right. like, you don't have to do that. And I'm right. like, I just want to help. They treated you like an yeah, actor. Yeah, they treated me like an actor. And, mm. you know, it was going back. You know, I was also wondering, like, what initially had happened. And uh, Susie Shepard, who I, I honestly swear is probably the most wonderful human being you could possibly meet, uh, you know, she was ecstatic that I had initially even accepted the ensemble role and then later went on to accept uh, the gym role. And it was just one of those things where I was a newcomer coming in. I didn't really have a lot of stuff on my resume or my portfolio. So there was that uncertainty. And even just sitting with the cast, I knew a lot of them had already kind of knew each other, whether mm-hmm. it would be at the 
uh, DVC. You know, a lot of them had went to the DVC or had connections at DVC. And, you know, I was kind of the out man, odd man coming in. So I'm starting to learn, like, it's not, it wasn't necessarily about talent. It wasn't necessarily about, you know, my work ethic. You know, it's it's a, it'll, a lot of it introduced me to the whole networking game and being mm-hmm. able to realize that just because I got a part, it's not a reflection on me. It could just be a reflection on, you know, a network connection or, you know, people are more more so going to lean towards individuals that they knew and they knew right. their work versus, you know, allowing somebody that's just kind of fresh and brand new off the boat to mm-hmm. come in and, you know. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I, w- I had the, the blessings of, you know, doing that at Town Hall, and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. Ooh. You know, Town Hall is fantastic, and now Susan Evans is the artistic director. Mm-hmm. And I know from working with Susan, she believes in diversity. She yes, believes right. in mixing it up and bringing mm-hmm. in different people and challenging the audience. And so I'm glad she had that wonderful. And Susie Shepard, Shepherd, you yes. know, working with her with uh, um, Civil War Christmas, she's a fantastic person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just a <laughs> font of wonderful personality, mm-hmm. and she wants to bring in mm-hmm. a good mix of people, you know. Yes. Because bringing in a cast, it's not just great actors, but people who can work with one another. Because right. you can have great actors who are buttholes, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> or they just don't connect, and that means you're going to spend a lot of time trying to build bridges where if it just happens between the actors, you don't have to build those Exactly, bridges. and there's nothing exactly. worse than working you know, four, three months with someone who you just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, can, when, when does this end? Right. So, <laughs> luckily. But you talk – it's interesting listening to you, Terrence – the psychology of the actor, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. you, you know, you do your audition, you do your callback. Mm-hmm. We got to wait. You talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Norman, you know, how you had to wait, you know, you did a, uh, an audition and it's right. like, you're not hearing anything. It's like, what's going on? Do I call them back? Well, and I've do gotten better about that. Yeah. In fact, with all these classes that I've just been picking up, um, it became a, a, what I've done and the Nueva program has, what is it? 77 students in the seventh grade class. So they broke them up into six groups. That means every lesson you did six times. Mm. So I kept saying, I kept referring to that, uh, Othello. Yeah. You know, I get all called in for Othello. I'm like, little old me, okay, I would love to be this role, so I'm going to go for it. Well, I go to callbacks, everybody is towering over me. My Iagos are huge. <laughs> I mean, football player huge. And I'm like, yes, I am going to be, I'm going to be this man who will kick your ass because I am your boss and because I've earned it. And I'm like, I don't know where this comes from. So it would be great demonstrating to kids what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, so there's me going, uh-oh, how am I going to do this? And then there's Othello. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. I, I, not only am I going to do it, but I already know my foot is halfway up your ass if you don't get out of my way. Man. And it was, and mm-hmm. it was, and I would giggle because I'm like, wow, this is working. I'm enjoying <laughs> yeah. the hell out yeah. of this, and it's a it's an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean when you go, when you audition and when you do the callbacks, all you can do is present who you are. Mm-hmm. This is who I am, and you're the one who called me back. Right. So I'm going to give you everything that I can, and I'm going to do whatever I can to change your mind. And I think it's something Alicia von Kugelman talked about mm-hmm. uh, last week. She right. was on. Where she's like, okay, I, I have no idea if I'm right for the role. You know, right. we've had a bunch of women to say, oh, I'm older and I'm supposed to be the younger. We had Pri- Priya Gayadine, right. yeah, and yeah. she was amazed that, you know, this role calls for a younger 20-year-old woman. And, you know, she's, I think, I don't know, mid-30s or whatever it mm-hmm. is. But we still cast her because she brought something. and She brought I'll, it to life. She yeah. totally did. Yeah. Well, that's And that was the other thing I said to the kids is, so I used to worry because you go in and whether you felt like you did well or you didn't do well, you don't know. 
And I'm like, you know what? It's been more than a couple of weeks. I'm going to drop you a little email. And that was the most satisfying thing to hear back from them and say, yeah, A, we're sorry that we didn't get in touch with you sooner. B, we are still trying to decide and you are still in the mix. And C, just to reinforce that, we've already told 75 actors that we saw, thank you, but we're not going to use you this time. So you are still yeah. in consideration. And I didn't get it, but I'm like, that made me feel really good. I was like, yeah. okay. And actually, that's a good point because I imagine as a director, if you there's somebody that you don't like, you'll tell them immediately, right? Oh, yeah. If I know I can't use you, then of course I'm going to tell you. And we had um, uh, Laura. Laura, I wasn't sure there was any place I could fit her. Mm -hmm. And then um, Corinne said, well, is there any way you could use her? Laura Mishler, yes. Yeah, and yes. I said, yeah, I, I could use her. I don't want to waste her time. I've got one role that I could stick her in for one scene. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up building, because she was so giving and so wonderful and yeah, so attentive. Yeah, that's right. I ended up building a whole other character. Yeah. Just that was silent, never said anything. Yeah. So, so in Four Men in Paris, for those who don't know what we're talking about, so I wrote this play, and I had one character, Marigold, and she's only in one scene. And imagine being an actor or actress, and you're, you're only in one scene. There's 16 scenes. You're only in one, so you might as well take a smoke break or right. <laughs> whatever. And <laughs> take I, a couple I, of weeks off. I would not want. I would go. not want to be a part of that role. But she and she had a wonderful presence. She did. And you created a role for her, a non-speaking role, which created the presence of Paris. Yes. And the presence of, you know. And a relationship for our narrator. That's right. Yeah. And she was ever-present throughout the entire play. And she had a wonderful experience. She, she was fantastic. And I kept coming back to her with, so I'm going to stick you in this other scene. And, like, one of the things I knew I wanted to do was I wanted to create a sense of a love interest. So an yeah. interest, a connection, and then um, – as a hint that something's going to happen, and then the follow-up that mm -hmm. it didn't, you know, that it was yeah. it was a one-night stand. It, it, and I'm like, okay, I know where I'm going to put the first one of those, and maybe the second one. I don't know where the third one's going to go, but I'm aiming for a fourth one. Mm -hmm. And that poor woman, she would come into rehearsal every couple of days. I'd be like, so come in earlier on this scene and just do this part or this other part that we created. Move that to here. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have another one. I don't know where it is yet, but I'll tell you in a yeah. couple of days. But that's when you have an actor and you have no idea what the actor's coming into. Right. All of a sudden, the director has all sorts of ideas. Oh, wow, mm. this actor brings this. Right. I can do this, there I can do that, I can do this, I can do that. Well, like I said, that bridge, instead of me trying to create a bridge between you two, you have already found a bridge. Now I just have to direct the traffic of the show yeah. across that bridge. Yeah. So, Terrence, um, how is the Bay Area theater life treating you? I mean, are you getting roles? Are you frustrated? Are you happy? Are you looking to go elsewhere? I mean... Yeah, I mean, right now I'm at the place where, you know, over the last several years, I've gotten to do really phenomenal theater here in the mm -hmm. Bay Area. I've met really phenomenal directors, really phenomenal actors, and I've had, overall, really phenomenal experiences. So, I mean, even as of now, I'm practically already booked going through the <coughs> end of September. Oh, nice. So, so I do have great work and great, great opportunities, but right now I am starting to, starting to look further out because mm -hmm. I do want to be able to travel. I really want to be able to go to all these other places because while the theater in the Bay Area is an extremely great hub, I feel like I'm at the point now where I want to say, you know, huh, what else is out there? What else is out there for sure. me? Who else can mm -hmm. I network with? Who, what other build bridges I can continue to build to further expand mm -hmm. where I want to be in my acting career? So 
I mean, as of, you know, right now I am looking at out of town, you know, because the, big, the biggest thing right now, and of course with a lot of actors, is the money to travel and the money to do so. Sure. So, you know, right now I'm just looking, I've been looking at uh, work opportunities, uh, maybe possibly the- like EMC theater companies that are willing to house an out-of-town actor, mm-hmm. just things like that just so I can, you know, at, le- at the very least audition, get my resume, my portfolio out there, like, mm-hmm. you know, saying I exist. Sure, so if sure. it's a part for me that you might think I'm right with, give me a call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go from there. Have yeah. you thought about uh, film or television, that sort of stuff? I don't know if you, I don't yeah. know if and, connections are yeah. out there. Yeah, and that's another thing, especially <laughs> with theater. Like, it is so extremely time-consuming, and I do have an agency. So it's one of those oh, things nice. where, yeah, uh, Nilo, Tal- Nilo, 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 and Talent. I, like, again. I'm sorry, what is it? Uh, uh, Nilo, Model and Talent. Oh, uh, Nilo. Yeah, Nilo. Okay. And I'm at the point where, you know, I, because theater is so extremely time-consuming, so, you know, just especially being booked for, like, four shows in a year, it's like two months, three months, two months, three months, and there's right. no real time to audition for other things that allow that kind of flexibility with the theater schedule. So every now and again, uh, the last film thing that I worked on was probably back in 2017, a uh, brilliant director, Benjamin Michelle, who wrote this interesting piece, uh, I Am a God Prologue, which told the story of this young man who is really into camera design and photography. And what he doesn't realize yet is that he's the descendant of Osset and Osser, uh, also known as Isis and uh why am I blanking on the name? Mm. Is this a Greek god? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, a uh, Greek god, but, you know, told from the, you know, because it all originated from like Egypt. Osiris, yeah. Horus. Osiris, yeah. Osiris and uh, Isis, yeah. who, you know, they had a son, his name was Horus. Yeah. So mm. this character was actually the reincarnation of Horus, mm. and his parents, who have once again returned to Earth, are trying to reawaken him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just... What he does, as far as the, the story, the way the story is told, and he also implements some animation. So you just mm, see this mm-hmm. beautiful montage of the, you know, the bird of Horus and the eye mm. of I and the eye of Horus, mm-hmm. and just so much beautiful imagery that just comes together in his reawakening. That so sounds great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just instances like that where you know it's like, wow, I would really love to do more of this. Mm-hmm. But you know, especially when it comes to independent projects that are done in the Bay or that come to the Bay. More often than not, especially for film projects that are coming from Los Angeles, right. they're already predominantly cast. When they right, come up the principals here. So are the principals usually from the supporters are already cast. Yeah. And what you, at, if anything, what you might will get cast when it comes up here is an ensemble part or mm-hmm. uh, extra or a back a background right. actor. Mm-hmm. So, and again, with the way my theater schedules work, I would love to take a break from it a little bit just to sure. further pursue. Because sure, like mm-hmm. even. And I've had some great commercial opportunities. Like, like uh, interestingly enough, after I did my manager shot Liberty Bouncing, we were in rehearsals for it. I had did a McDonald's commercial. Oh, right on! Uh, a few day, like a few weeks uh, back. So, did you have a speaking role? I did have a speaking role. Well, that's oh. money, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, and that was great money. Uh, yeah, the, there Gilroy, you go. the Gilroy garlic fries. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it's so crazy. It's always one of those things where you're kind of like the last person to know when the commercial even comes out. Sure. Because I'm at work one day and I'm just having, I'm getting an explosion of text messages like, "Oh my God, I saw you on Hulu," or "Oh right. my God, I saw you on Channel Two and you, <laughs> nice. were eating, you were eating the garlic fries." I'm like, "Wow." 
why haven't I seen this yet? Right. Yeah, and even at town halls, yeah. like they they had also seen the commercials. So I was starting I was starting to realize the gravity of you know yeah. work like that. Especially when it's like wow, I bet I bet it was a thrill for your parents, like your dad, like your dad. Oh was, yeah, you know, oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that was a he lot of bragging going off. on with that. <laughs> no, Absolutely. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we're coming close. Did you want to win the shout outs? Yeah. Birthdays. Birthdays. List isn't as big. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we we should talk about because you're yeah, in, you're in the middle of doing uh, Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn yeah, Bridge. Uh, the play is written by Melissa James Gibson. Uh, it was directed by M. Grant Smith and co-directed by uh, Dana Nelson Isaacs. And uh, the play essentially revolves around a ten-year-old girl who is trying to graduate to the fifth grade, but uh, and she's a very intelligent little girl. The downside to her intelligence is that she doesn't know how to articulate that intelligence. Mm. So Mm. with a lot of her assignments, she doesn't end up turning them in. She does the research, Mm -hmm. but she does not turn in any of the assignments. Mm. So she has an opportunity to be promoted to the fifth grade if she does an exceptional job on her uh, research paper on the Brooklyn Bridge. So she goes home, unpacks, and gets ready to do her assignment, but she realizes that she doesn't have her pen. Uh-huh. So for the first time in her life, she ventures outside of her apartment. You know, her family, her mother in particular, you know, uh, takes care of her. She's mm-hmm. Russian. Uh, they're not home, right? Uh, her mother's not home. She's at work. So she's by herself. And, you know, she also has to repel against her mother's rules about never leaving the apartment, uh-huh. the whole concept of don't talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. So in order to get her assignment done, she ventures out of her apartment for the first time and actually knocks on the door of her neighbors, uh-huh. where she starts meeting like the character that I play, Sam, who is a West Indies dental student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, She's starting to see all these splices of life and all these splices of culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all throughout that, you know, she's starting to realize she's, in a sense, since she doesn't really have a strong family foundation in her own home, yeah. she's starting to formulate this family through her neighbors mm-hmm. as, you know, they help her and they try to teach oh. her and uh-huh. they try to, you know, invigorate her in her struggles. And it's it's just a really wonderful family, family story of yeah. community, of togetherness, mm-hmm. of, you know, because it's one of those things that I feel like we've taken for granted, especially, like, I remember with my grandparents and, you know, their friends and family, they were really community-oriented. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of the things that we've continued to lose as the generations kind of go down, where, sure. you know, like, my old, my grandmother's house, they knew everybody in the neighborhood from down the street to right. the, in the back of the, uh, the, back of the, the block. And mm-hmm. it was like, and the same thing when my family moved, we knew probably four of our neighbors two mm-hmm. next door the one down the street but mm-hmm. as people start to move and people got older like that sense of community started to kind of fall apart mm-hmm. so yeah. with the the brilliant thing about this story is that it really does kind of in, invigorate the sense of community and the sense of communication and yeah. bringing like like because all these all these neighbors are living in a brownstone apartment and the best thing that town again in town hall theater and with the way they do with a lot of their sets this story is supposed to take place in a four-story brownstone building, mm-hmm. but with the with the way the stage is laid out and the way the lighting is done, you can kind of see the transition between this girl entering the apartment, traversing these stairways, and mm-hmm. going to all these different floors. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just so well done, and mm. the, the cast is amazing. Like we have a really strong ensemble cast that don't really have a lot of speaking roles, but you've got Tom Riley in it too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he plays a. Uh, uh, John, a 99-year-old Brooklyn buff. Hmm. So, all right. Yeah, and it's it's so funny. Like, all of these characters that Sasha meets in some way 
provide, you know, they're like the surrogate family. Mm-hmm. Like, like my character is like a surrogate brother. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You have another actress. Uh, uh, the character's name is Talibia. She's played by Leticia Durant, who, provo- you know, she's like a surrogate mother. Mm-hmm. And then Tom's character, John, prov- is the surrogate father. And then you have uh, Trudy, uh, which is played by uh, Sheila DeVitt, uh, is like the surrogate aunt. And it's just, you know... It's one of those things where it's like the things that you're missing in your home, yeah. they are out there in the world for you. You just have to be willing yeah. to go out there. And the cultural it. diversity, that no, that's fantastic. And another thing, another trait that I'm seeing with Town Hall, it sounds like the young girl who's playing the title character. She's a young actress, right? Yes, she how, is. How old is she? How young is she? She is 13 years old. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Emma, Emma Curtin, she, she's done theater in Berkeley Playhouse. Her family is really oh, theater-oriented. Mm-hmm. And she's grown up in it. And this was actually... Uh, she's done the Miracle Worker, which was her her first leading role mm. at the Berkeley Playhouse. But this one is the, like her first speaking, like her first uh, principal role, where it's just like nonstop dialogue. Cause she was playing Helen Keller right. in the Berkeley Playhouse, and of course she doesn't really speak. Yeah. So you know, come to this, like she is the back and bone of this whole show because she's constantly on stage wow. for the entire show, mm-hmm. and she just comes in so focused. And you know, she was. Like already going into it, she was already off book before anybody else. Mm. Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she is just a phenomenal <coughs> actress. Yeah, like a really focused thirteen-year-old. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, and we're going to pump in. We're going to have a link to uh, Brooklyn Bridge so that our folks can still see it. That is playing. Um, uh, it opened March fourteenth. Uh, that was only a couple of days. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's uh, February twenty eighth. Yeah. And then it closes March twenty second. March. Uh, I believe it's March twenty third. Uh, is it March twenty third? Yeah. Okay. We have uh, a show tonight. A show tomorrow evening. Mm-hmm. Our uh, a two o'clock show on Sunday, and then the following weekend, which is our closing weekend, we mm-hmm. have a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening show. Okay, so March 23rd, I had it written wrong. February 28th to March 23rd, oh. and we'll have a link to that. Very cool. Birthdays. Birthdays. Um, not that many kids, thank God. <laughs> no, last week we had twice of them on the list. Um, Kristen Fitch is a young woman, I, not a young, well, not as young, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm newer as a stage manager and production manager with Central Works. Um, John C. Halfacre is actually a guy I don't know about as an actor at all. But uh, my stepdaughter brought him to a party, family party, and we started talking film. And he just, he's very immersed in the scene, local scene, and, you know, his birthday's coming up this week. Mm -hmm. Richard Ryan is one of the first people I ever saw when I started trying to work professionally in the Bay Area. He was uh, a major fixture at uh, TVA, Theater Bay Area's offices. And he's gotten a little older, and right now he's actually in... Some kind of care. His health has not been that mm, well, so mm-hmm. definitely want to get a shout out for him. Uh, Perry Aliado is somebody I know. Young, again, I say young, and I'm like, wait a minute, I've known them for over ten years. That's, that's not as young, <laughs> but uh, Perry, I met through um, Each One Reach One mm-hmm. at Juvie doing our Juvie playwriting program. His birthday this week. Mike Clifford. You would think that's a man, but it's actually a woman um, director and theater person. Uh, Chaz Walker, who we've actually... Did we get to talk to him, Brother Chaz? I've heard the name. He hasn't been here. He's, he hasn't. No, he hasn't been here. I thought yeah. we might have talked to him at the, um, at the alley. Um, anyway, he's um, he likes to do shows in, in Oakland, so, mm-hmm. you know, local love. Uh, Tony Haney uh, was the director. He was big Bay Area theater artist for a long time, mm-hmm. and then he directed a show uh, we did down at uh, San Jose Stage, Buffaloed. 
Okay. And he actually Jeannie stays Baroque's in play, L.A. Yeah. Janie play. He flew up from L.A. to do that. Yeah. And Dana Lewenthal Blankman's that's right, that's right. <laughs> birthday, who we had on last week. So those yeah. are the birthday kids this week. Hopefully they will share with us what projects they're doing, and we'll get the word out. Yeah, and uh, the birthdays that I have, Janice Rumschlag. Uh, I've acted with her with the, at the Playwright Center. She's a uh, young, budding actress. Uh, her birthday is today. So, Janice, if you're listening, happy birthday. Mike Berg, his birthday uh, was Friday, yesterday. He uh, was a – I don't think he's involved in theater anymore. I've talked to him. I talked about him last week. He right. was a director. Uh, he directed um, – I'm looking at the po- poster right now, Othello, uh, the Gorilla Shakespeare Company. And also he built the set for Sick and Wonder of the World. Really, uh, he's one of these guys who – he does a little bit of everything. You know, he'll build a set, he'll paint a set, he'll do lighting. He's one of these all-around theater guys. But he's subtle. He has a family. I think he's in uh, Sacramento now. But his birthday was Friday. Um, and let's see. Dana Lewenthal, you talk, talked about that. Mm-hmm. Loretta Jenka, uh, I think you know her. She um, is involved in the Play Cafe, oh, also in the Musical yes, Cafe. Yes, yes, yes. She's a veteran actress. Um and a director as well. Uh, her birthday yeah, wrong, is Friday. Wrong, strong dramaturgical eye. Absolutely. Very yeah. strong uh, dramaturgical eye. And the last one that I have is Cheryl Honorla. Um, and her, she's a young actress. Uh, I've acted with her, I believe, in 110 in the Shade at the DMT, the Douglas Morrison Theater. Happy birthday to everyone and shows. My thing is, um, Here, I can, I can cut in. Go for uh, it. Obviously, Cameron. we talked about Brooklyn Bridge that's at the Town Hall Theater. That opened uh, February 28th. It closes March 23rd. So next Saturday, a week from now, is the last day. you got to come see that uh, wonderful, um, diverse cast. has a wonderful storyline. And, um, you know, and, of course, the Town Hall Theater is a fantastic environment to be in. So yes. Tom Riley and, of course, Terrence Smith is in that. La Ronde, Cutting Ball Theater, that is happening. Um, it opens March the. It opened two days ago, March the fourteenth. It mm-hmm. closes April the fourteenth. Janae Simon, someone we know, oh, Terrence, yes, yes. <laughs> fierce black actress, Absolutely. and uh, she is uh, in the play. Uh, and we've talked about the mystery of Irma Vep at the uh, the All Role right. Players Ensemble. Uh, that opens April the twelfth through April the twenty eighth. Yeah, we'll have uh, to see role if we players can ensemble. make time and get there. Absolutely. And uh, let's see. I'm trying I've got see. Never Ever Land, yep. which um, was kind of a companion piece to Alice, uh, the Everyday Alice that I just did. I mean, they weren't connected in any way, but they both had a modern Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Their Peter Pan is a serious alcoholic who's, you know, in denial. Mm-hmm. Ours wasn't quite so extreme. <laughs> but uh, they'll be playing this Thursday at Piano Fight. Also, Wonderland by Gary Graves, uh, the, uh, oh the right, Central Works Theater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. now that my show is closed, maybe I can actually go see that. And I think that's all. Oh, and the, uh, and I just sent it. That's what I was trying to pull up. The um, flyer for um, I Ain't Your Uncle, okay. which you should both know about. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Alexander, who's been a Bay Area playwright for decades, uh, worked with the Mime Troupe, uh, did other, has worked with other folks. Um took a play that he had done with the Mind Troop, I think, I I want to say it's like all the way back to like George Bush hmm, okay. era, um, maybe even earlier than that, and he's reworked it with 
you know, what's going on now. Oh, yeah. And so there's going to be a reading at the Brooklyn Preserve uh, in a couple of weeks on the 31st, 2 o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, we'll take a uh, listen to that. I'm so happy to see so many playwrights and creatives taking the social, you know, the, the, the social stories that are happening now, both good and a lot of it bad, and turning it into theater you know, a social means of talking about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that. Uh, I've, I've talked to we've ta- our good friend David Stein, who is now in New Zealand. Uh-huh. But he wrote a play, um, Appointment at Sonora, to talk right. about what's happening mm-hmm. in the South with the um, the zero tolerance policy. Mm-hmm. And now we have Robert Alexander's uh, I Ain't Your Uncle. Right, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. Um, I also want to point, uh, push Olivia's Kitchen or What the Cook Saw on Twelfth Night. Mm. Um, oh, right. We had uh, Deborah him. Murphy and mm. um, Belair, David Belair. Mm-hmm. He directs I saw it. That. Did oh, you see it? Yes, I did. Deborah Murphy did a phenomenal job. Is that right? Yeah, we had Deborah Murphy on. I promised that I would go see that, and mm-hmm. I've got to check that out. That's at Fort Mason. That is still playing. As a matter of fact, uh, tomorrow is the last day. Oh, damn. Uh, so if you're not doing anything on Sunday, check out Olivia's Kitchen um, or What the Cook Saw on Twelfth Night. Yeah. Uh, and oh geez, what was it? I just was like, um, I don't know. Oh well. <laughs> no, there was there was another. Oh no, we we mentioned just you know mm-hmm. in passing talking about Jeff. Jeff Thompson, yes. Hopefully, um, I'm sure Craig Dickerson will. Um, he we will. There will be a memorial for Jeff Thompson. There will be definitely. <clears throat> but um, we'll have a. Um, I plan on. I know you'll be busy next week. But I talked with Craig Dirksen. I think we'll have a special yay. We'll all have uh, yet mm-hmm. another member of EastEnders. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the memory of Jeff Thompson mm-hmm. just to reinform. And a lot of people may not know who Jeff is because right. he acted really back in the 90s and right. the early aughts. Right, right. But it's a re, it's a re, it, it reinforces the fact that theater is not just a vehicle for people to get into the big stage. Mm-hmm. But it's also a community where people yeah. sometimes find their family mm-hmm. through theater. Well, yeah. and some incredibly talented people who yeah. never do rise to that next level, but never stop yes. doing what they do. And they add something to the community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very much. Terrence, did you have a wonderful time? Yeah. Yeah. I had a blast, man. I know we've been trying to do this for <laughs> several years now. No, 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 no. I finally got to come to the mic. No, that's fine. That's fine. Hey, you've been busy, and uh, for a good reason, because like I said, you're a fantastic presence. Oh, I'm curious and to know what else, what's coming up next. Yeah. Uh, next for me, I'm going to be doing All the Way at CCCT. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. The Contra Costa the- Civic Theater. All that's, the Way. Is that's, it that's, Frank that's, Sinatra? No, 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 no. Uh, it's uh, it's Linda about B. Linda B. Johnson. It's a oh. Civil War piece. Oh, nice. And Kari Moy is going to be in it, too, right? Yes. Wow. Car- and and um, Cam and Donovan is going to be in it. Nice. Cam so Donovan, Cam Ridgeway, mm-hmm. a lot of phenomenal actors, uh-huh. a lot of whom I've worked with personally, a lot of whom I've seen at work. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's just been a, an exciting experience. And you say that'll take you to September? That won't take me till September. After that, I'm going to be doing uh, two Midsummer pieces, one at the BA Theater in Concord. Oh, BA, yay. Yes. And then following that, I'm also going to be doing another Midsummer. This one is going to be with Marin Shakespeare. Uh-huh. Oh, what are you doing? Uh, uh, with the BA production, uh, the interesting take that Jan Lee is doing it since there are so many theater companies during the summer that, it's, that are doing Midsummer. Right. Uh, Jan Lee is going to be doing a gender swap. So okay. the characters, like say, in that one, I'm going to be playing Helena, but I'm going nice. to be playing her as a man would. Right. So yeah, so it's and it's, it's, it's okay. it should be very fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, right now with BA theater, we're currently trying to find a space to be doing that right. because. 
back in de- uh, December, they were told that they had to be out of the building by oh, the March. Bank? Yes. They got to go? Oh. Yes, unfortunately. So I like Jan the way Lee, they were using that space. Yes, and it, it's so ma- – like the one thing that I can say that BA does phenomenally well is that they – with so very minimal, they can create amazing theater. Right. So right now, they already have a show booked for their upcoming production, uh, Pin Butterfly. Had you but done other things with them? I had the first show that I've done with B8 was King Lear back in the summer of 2017. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then after that, uh, after Midsummer with B8, I'm going to be doing Midsummer at the Marin Shakespeare Theater Company. And that one, I'm going to be playing Lysander. Uh, nice. I'm curious, for all the way, what character are you playing? Ralph Abernathy. Well, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, the sidekick to Dr. King. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm guessing Kari's going to be King. Yes, sir. That, nice. hey, there you go. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. That's something to look forward to, and, of course, we'll be plugging that on the A. I'm glad you had a wonderful time. Thank you, thank you. All yeah. right. So you can find the A on the Apple Podcast on all iPhones and iPads, really any app that you listen to your podcasts, that's, um, you can find the A. Uh, you can also find the A on iTunes if you listen to your podcast on a desktop or a laptop. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and you can find the A. Uh, for Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com, and you can find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a sh- if theater, if you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, hit us up. On Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, you can find me at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Terrence, do you have a uh, Instagram or Snapchat? Oh feed? man, uh, or a website? <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Young T Smith 23, because that's when I was that's when I made it. <laughs> 23. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Okay, so Young T Smith 23. Do remember that. And we, we gotta, gotta find, find a better, better sign off. And we are out.